Welcome to Harvest Mission Community Church. You are listening to one of our sermons. Good morning to all of you, and especially for those of you who are checking us out for the very first time, we welcome you. My name is Seth. Uh, I'm the lead pastor here, and we're excited to be able to welcome you to part of our community. And this is not the way we want to be able to first greet you. But we know that after this pandemic, we're going to have an opportunity to see each other face to face. So please uh, continue to uh, build the relationships, get to know us as we will want to get to know you. We have a lot of things planned for this coming week and the next, I guess, couple weeks, several weeks, as we will start off a whole new series, as well as our life group, which I will be talking about today. And it's going to be an opportunity for you to keep on growing in your walk with the Lord. And for some of us who are seekers, that's what, this will be a great opportunity for you to get to know more of who God is. So uh, we welcome you. And to those of us who have been on Zoom and watching this online for several months now, we say hi to you again. And um, Pastor Bo and I, we are keeping all of you in prayer. And we're asking that God will uh, keep you safe, not only safe, but also just even emotionally and mentally healthy. Uh, as many of us are stuck in our homes and try to get out once in a while, take a walk. I think that will help us. So we're just glad that you're able to join us today. Also, we hope that many of you who are part of our life group ministry, you're Zooming in with one another so that we will have some times of huddle groups so we can share and talk with one another. And just another great way to just stay connected uh, throughout the week. As you know, we're starting a whole new series called, uh, we just kind of use the initials, uh, I-Y-K-Y-K. So at this moment, if you're on Zoom, if you could just unmute yourself and on the count of three, share with one another right now, all at one time, one voice, what are those initials? What do those initials stand for? Are you ready? On the count of three, one, two, three. If you know, you know. All right. Some of us still don't know what's going on, so it's okay. Uh, we'll be talking about that today. Well, one of the things that uh, I want us to understand is this whole acronym of if you know, you know, is that it's a really a texting um, idiom, or if you want to look at it, there's a hashtag that's all over social media if you haven't realized it yet. And pretty much what they're communicating is simply, if you were there, you'll know what we're talking about. Or if you experience this with us, you would know what we're talking about. So those people who were there, who experienced it, they go, yeah, we know. Yeah, that was, that was funny or that made me cry or whatever it might have been. To those people who haven't experienced it, they're kind of on the outside. They're like, what happened? And those of you who struggle with FOMO, fear of missing out, you're all like, what, what happened? What happened? And so you want to check it out. So it's a way to kind of draw you in to figure out what it is that they're talking about. So what I'm going to do at this time is I'm going to show you two videos. And I'm going to first go over the uh, first part of the video. And the interesting thing about this video is, once again, if you know, you know. If you don't, I'm sorry. Afterwards, I'll explain it to you. So let's watch this video together. Those of you who have no idea what you just saw in the last minute and 50-some seconds, uh, Pretty much, if you know, you know. Uh, it is made popular by this app called TikTok. So if you don't know, you still won't know because now it's banned in Hong Kong. But it's a social app where they play music and then you dance to it. And a lot of these choreographed dances were just made and it just went viral all over the place. And so... Those of you who are not even familiar with TikTok, you don't even know what that is. Uh, you look at this video and you realize this is ridiculous. Why are they moving their bodies in that way? But once again, if you know, you know. Now, this next video I'm going to show you, uh, I would say those of you who are probably a little bit older, you had no clue about this previous video that I just showed. But to those of us who are a little bit older, now this is for you. And I will say to you, if you know you know. And pretty much let me uh, kind of cue up this video is because there are these two young guys who have a YouTube channel. And what they do is they show their reaction to the first of blank. 
So a lot of times they would uh, listen to a, a particular music, they will do certain things, and they show their reaction to it for the first time. And so it's really interesting. So once again, those of you who are older, you will probably know, but those of you who are not, you will have no clue. So just watch their reaction as they're listening to this music. But if you know, you know. So let's watch it together. If you know, you know. To those of you who know that old song, you knew that drum part was coming in. And you knew they were going to freak out because they're kind of listening to this. And I was watching this and I'm like, they're going to get floored. Wait until that part comes in. And just seeing their reaction made me laugh. So once again, those of you who don't know the song, you had no clue. Your reaction is probably the same way. But to those of us who know this song, you know that drum part, and you know when it's coming in. So that's why it was interesting and kind of funny just to see this. So this is what we're going to be talking about. There are a lot of things in our church that we talk about, phrases that we say, and to those of us who know, we know. And to those of us who are new or maybe just recently joined our church, there might be things that are unfamiliar to you. So we want to invite you in to be able to understand a little bit more about our church. What is it that we value? What are some of the things that are important to us? And as you hear some of these phrases, to those of us who are new, uh, we want you to get to know us as we get to know you. And to some of us who already know some of these phrases, it's a good reminder and a reinforcement of our values and the things that we try to live out in our church. And so... There are five phrases that we're going to be going over, which is kind of connected to some of the values that we have in our church. And so as we go over these phrases, uh, I kind of put two of them together for two parts, and then the last one will just be a standalone. So the first part we're going to talk about is that church doesn't just happen on Sundays. And then another phrase that we use is, this is why we do what we do. And then part two, we're going to talk about leadership is not about a position, but about influence. And you'll hear us say that quite often. And then the second part of that is ministry is something you, uh, it's not something that you switch on and off. And then the third part that we'll cover is pretty much transforming lives and transforming the world. So as we talk about this, once again, if you know, you know. And we're hoping that you will understand some of these phrases as well. So let me give us the one thing that I want us to remember from my sermon today. And it's simply this, that as we worship Jesus in community, we testify that Jesus is a priority. So once again, that as we worship Jesus in community, we testify that Jesus is a priority. So for the next several weeks, uh, we're going to look at this famous passage that hopefully all of you are familiar with in the book of Acts, and we're going to look at the early church and what they did, because it's always been our dream that we will be a 21st century church that will live out the values of the first century, what we saw the early followers of Jesus Christ as they gathered together and experienced God's presence. And so let's go ahead and cover just a couple things here as we talk about how when we worship Jesus in community that we will testify that he is a priority. The first thing that I want to talk about is simply this, that we must know our motivation, that we must know our motivation. You will often hear in our church, and we're talking about that this is why we do what we do. And you hear that in different contexts, whether we're teaching whether we're trying to explain things. Uh, this is why we do what we do. And sometimes when you hear that, I'm like, well, what are they talking about? And if you're not in the know, you won't know what we're saying. And it's simply pretty much what we're trying to say is understand your motivation for doing what you're doing right now, whatever it may be. So pretty much unless you understand why you're doing something, Oftentimes, we will find ourselves losing that focus, losing that sense of purpose. It's easy to just go through the motions and just do it. Or sometimes it will lead to even bitterness and wondering, why are we doing this? What is the purpose behind this? And so the thought that I have for us 
is when you think about the things that you're facing right now, to those of you who are college students, can I ask you, why are you studying in college? And I think for many of us, we would just say, well, this is what we're supposed to do after high school, or maybe this is how I'm going to get a job. But then to you, I would say this. There are a lot of people who don't go to college, and they have a job. And there are a lot of people who go to college and don't have a job. You know what I'm talking about. And also, some of you are like, I want to make some money. But the thing is that there are a lot of people um, who don't go to college, but they end up working right after high school, and they start making money. And this is not the norm, but there's a good handful of people who are making billions of dollars without even going to college or even a year of college. Uh, let me ask some of you who are working. Why are you working at a place that you hate so much? Why are you working in a job that you do not like and you don't get excited about every single morning when you wake up? So once again, why are you doing what you are doing? And until we understand our motivation, we understand our sense of purpose, a lot of times we're going to struggle in this journey in our lives. And so I'm going to go ahead and read Acts chapter 2. So once again, uh, we have a Bible app. So if you want to look into the Bible app, it will have the notes there you can follow along. And then also you will be able to follow. Uh, Find the passage there. So Acts chapter 2, verse 42 through 47. And I'm going to go ahead and read that portion of Scripture for us. And like I said, this is going to be the passage that we're going to be looking at uh, just throughout the next three weeks. And we're just going to highlight some of the key verses and the key phrases for some of the phrases that we use. So once again, if you know, you know. So starting from verse 42, of the book of Acts in chapter 2. Listen to what it says. And they devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching and the fellowship, to the breaking of bread and to the prayers. And all came upon every soul, and many wonders and signs were being done through the apostles. And all who believed were together and had all things in common. They were selling their possessions and belongings and distributing the proceeds to all as any had need, and day by day, attending the temple together and breaking bread in their homes, they received their food with glad and generous hearts, praising God and having favor with all the people. And the Lord added to their number day by day those who were being saved. I think one of the most beautiful things that you notice in this passage is that the early church, they were genuinely experiencing the power of the gospel. After the resurrection of Jesus Christ, as they waited in the upper room, the Holy Spirit came upon them. And we see in beginning of chapter 2 that the Holy Spirit came during the time of Pentecost, which is a time of celebration. The Holy Spirit came upon them. And the interesting part is now, they not only were they bold in proclaiming the gospel, but they came together as the church to experience new community. There is something powerful that begins to happen when you and I experience transformation through the gospel message. There is a greater desire to be together in community, to not only share the blessings that you have received, but you want to share with other people who have yet to experience it. Now, as you look at this, you will notice in this section the word devoted. When you look at this word devoted, it is significant, it's a significant word because it describes the believers were committed to from the onset of their spiritual journey with Christ, uh, a commitment. And that's why if you look at the word devoted, it means to continue steadfastly or to be constantly diligent. So when you think of the word devoted, it means to continue steadfastly or to be constantly diligent. It has this idea of how people persevered in something or they adhered to something. That's why in the message translation, it says committed. They were committed. Now, what we have to remember is that the early believers in the church, they were not consumers. Today, in the church, in our society, we have a lot of people who are consumers. 
That means that they just come on Sunday, they consume the worship, they consume the message, and then they give, if they give, and then they consume some of the fellowship, and then they're gone. So that that hour and a half, two hours, is just for them just to consume, because they're just sitting there and taking in. But when you look at the early church, they were not consumers. In fact, they were active participants in everything that was happening in the community. That is why they knew why they were doing what they were doing. They knew why they were devoted and committed to Christ. They knew why they were coming together with other believers because they saw the important need to practice the one another's. If you remember the disciples, they gave up everything to follow Jesus Christ. And following Christ was not just another option for them, but it actually cost them everything. So once again, they weren't just consuming, but they were actually giving of themselves. I think this is why we have to understand this idea of devotion. It's not just taking, but it's learning how to give. And this is the reason why they did what they did. They, they gathered together, they met, and they fellowshiped together. I think for many of us, when we think about devotion, it's really easy to just think about reading the Bible and prayer. Now, don't get me wrong. I think this is very important to your spiritual life and to your devotional life with God, reading the Bible as well as in prayer. But I think that's just one part of it. Because when you think about devotion, you realize that it is something more than that. That's why I like what John Orberg said in his book, Tell Me What I, uh, Tell Me I, What I Want to Be. He says this, he says, the main measure of your devotion to God is not your devotional life, it is simply your life. So what he's simply saying is this, is that you can have a devotional life, reading the Bible, prayer, and doing all this stuff, worship, personal worship, but really devotion is expressed through your life, how you live your life every single day, in those moments when no one else is watching. That's your devotion to God. How you treat other people, that's your devotion to God. How you look at a situation, that is your devotion to God. How you respond and proactively take steps to do something about the situation, that is a devotion to God. It is your whole life. And here's my question and challenge for you. If someone were to look at your life, can they see that you're devoted to God? Not that you're just busy. You know, it's interesting because I, I meet a lot of people who are very religious. And what I mean by religious is that somehow they feel that if they can do all these things, they're going to earn extra favor with God. And so they're very eager. Uh, they come up with all the stuff that they want to do, do for God. And a lot of times, it's, what it comes down to, it, it's a moralistic righteousness or a moralistic religion. And that's not what Christianity is about. It's not about doing more things. But it's a heart that is set on God, completely surrender and say, God, do whatever you want with me because you alone deserve my whole life, my whole worship. That's why if you look at this passage again, you will notice in verse 43, it says that their lives were a devotion to God because the things that were happening around them. It says, and all came upon every soul and many wonders and signs were being done through the apostles. So as they were devoted to God through the fellowship, through the teaching, uh, breaking of bread and in prayer, there was this sense of awe, knowing that God Almighty is in their midst. The word all is translated as fear. And it is not the kind of fear that causes someone to be scared, but it's a sense of holy reverence to God. That's why in the contemporary English version, it says this, everyone was amazed. Think about that. 
that they were amazed at all that God was doing. That's a sense of all. Do you know why you do what you do? What is your motivation? What motivates you to get up in the morning, go to work, to go to school? What is helping you to do these things and to do it as a devotion to God? Once again, it's a great reminder to check our hearts for our motivation. Are you devoted to God or are you devoted to yourself or to the things of this world? That's why as a church, we always want to know why we do what we do in every aspect of our lives. We want to know why we gather together as a church. And I think something of this situation in this world reminds us and checks our hearts. Why do we gather? Is it important to gather? Even, as, even though it's through a different means or medium that we still believe gathering together is important. We want to know why we study and go to work. Because once again, it's about motivation. We want to know why we love people and we serve others fervently. Why do you do that? For some of us, our motivation is to be recognized for others is so that we can feel good about ourselves. But do you know why that you are willing to serve and that you're willing to know more of who God is, to love people around you? Do you know why you sacrificially use your time, treasures, and talents for God? Listen to what Mother Teresa says. She says this, there's always the danger that we may just do the work for the sake of the work. This is where the respect and the love and the devotion come in, that we do it to God, to Christ, and that's why we try to do it as beautifully, as beautifully as possible. So when you begin to do things and understand why you do things, then you're able to do it in a beautiful way that is a devotion unto God. That's why, once again, we must know our motivation. We want to pause here and take this time to get into some huddle groups and just to talk about some of the questions. Let me just say to those of us who are new or just watching in, uh, you're able to be a part of the Zoom and have some discussions as well. Uh, so please uh, Zoom in if you can. I believe there's a QR code there or a link that you could link into. Uh, for the rest of us who are part of life groups, I think all the life group leaders are putting you together in uh, a Zoom uh, huddle groups or breakout room. So in the huddle group, or I'm going to give you about seven minutes, so we don't have too much time, so you're going to have to just jump right into it. The two questions that I want us to talk about is simply this. First of all, why is it easy to forget why we do what we do? So share a little bit about that. And the second part of the question is, what makes a person uh, devote themselves or to something or someone? Have you experienced this kind of devotion in your life, whether somebody was devoted to you or you have been devoted to something or someone? So what makes a person devote themselves to something or to someone. So go ahead and talk about these two questions and after seven minutes, we'll bring you back. I hope all of you have been able to share. Uh, I know sometimes uh, it was longer. If it was longer, it would be better. But like I said, we're gonna try to move along and uh, if some of you make some connections and there's some deep sharing or there's something you could relate to one another in that particular question, you could always follow up and have some coffee and a meal together and meet up in that way. So uh, we talked about why it's important to understand our motivation. And this is why in our church, if you know, you know, we always talk about knowing why we do what we do. Don't just mindlessly just do it. And I think a lot of it is partly, part of it is rooted in our culture. We grew up just being told what to do and we just do it. And you don't know the whys. And this is the reason why after a while you're like, why am I doing this? And it's so easy to lose that kind of heart for the very thing that you're doing. So I pray in everything that you do, it might seem like the smallest thing, but in everything that you do, understand why you do what you do. The second point that I want to mention is we must know not only our motivation, but we must know our mission, that we must know our mission. Uh, the thing that you will hear in our church as well is that 
church doesn't happen just on Sundays. And you will hear this quite often. And for many of us, this is how we grew up, that church happens on Sunday. And so as long as we go to church or we zoom in or we watch online, then we've done our thing. And I think this really adds to a lot of the problems that I see with so many Christians or Christ followers, that we have relegated our faith and began to dichotomize our faith just to a Sunday faith. And so Monday through Saturday, we live for ourselves, we do the things of this world, and we just completely forget about God, that He's not a vital part of our daily lives. And then Sunday rolls around, and then it's at that moment you're like, oh yeah, I'm a Christian, so I'm supposed to go to church, and I'm worshiping and hearing the message, give my offering, and I've done my Sunday thing. And then once again, we start from Monday through Saturday living for ourselves. And so what begins to happen is that you just become religious by going to church, but you haven't daily walked with God, and you're not having this intimate relationship with God and through Jesus Christ on a daily basis. And this is the reason why some of us are not growing spiritually. You might be growing more religious and more devoted to just going to church, but you're not growing in your personal walk with God and your devotion to God. So that's why as we talk about this idea of church just doesn't happen on Sundays, but then the question now becomes, then when does it happen? And so if you look at Acts chapter 2 again, we will see that the early church devoted themselves. And we talked about that, the motivation. But the question is, what did they devote themselves to? And one of those things was the mission of coming together in community. There was a clear purpose, a mission of why we came together or why we come together as a church. Now, just to, so that you might understand this context a little bit better, as you know that as Jesus Christ rose again from the dead and then he appeared to over 500-some people and then he ascended into heaven, it was during that time there was a lot of chaos going on in Jerusalem. And in fact, the Roman guards and along with some of the top Jewish leaders, they were trying to look for the disciples. So they were afraid because they were going to get persecuted. And you'll see later on throughout the book of Acts that the early believers were persecuted. And so for them, the mission of coming together as the church in community was so important because, once again, you cannot do this faith by yourself. It's not just a Sunday thing. But we will see that they gathered together often. Why? Because they needed that support. They needed each other knowing that they're going through the persecution, knowing that it's difficult, and then knowing that through this sharing of lives together, they can now fulfill the greater mission of proclaiming the gospel of Jesus Christ. But this mission of coming together in community was something that they prioritized. And so that's why if you look at verse 42 again, you will see the word fellowship. And that word fellowship in the original language means kononia. And when you look at that word, it means to being brought together or being together or having things in common or simply participation. So they were participating. They were coming together and had all these things in common. What is the commonality? It wasn't because they had the same personality. It wasn't because they had the same interests. They were coming together in commonality is because of Jesus Christ. This is the reason why one of the beautiful things that you will see in any church, and I hope that those of you who are checking out different churches that you will see it in our church, is that you can get together in a room of people who are completely different. Whether it is personality, it might be even the ethnic background, it might even be just different experiences that you've gone through, social economic background, but the reason why we come together and the reason why we're able to love each other and the reason why we're able to serve each other is because of the commonality that we have in Jesus Christ. That is the thing that breaks any barriers. Now, if you look at any church, and this is my challenge for you, 
And to think about this, if you go to a lot of the churches, a lot of times that the churches that gather together, there's a lot of commonality. And it's not just Jesus. So for instance, and please don't misunderstand me, there is nothing wrong with ethnically oriented churches. Sometimes that's the best way to reach out to a specific people group because of a language issue. But if you look at some of the churches, you realize there's only one type of people, if you will, in that community. Sometimes there's only a one particular type of even age bracket in that community. And this is something that we're trying to work on so we could have some older people because we do have a lot of young people. But once again, it is not the commonality of just personalities or interests that it brings us, but it's because of Jesus Christ, that we're making him a priority, that he's the one who's leading us and guiding us as a church. And so you'll notice that as they gathered together, they participated in each, other li- in each other's lives. They went through all the joys. They went through all the pains together. They went through the different struggles as they were being persecuted. They were experiencing all these things together. And part of experiencing genuine community is to be able to daily go through this. Now, I understand back in this time, it was easy to meet together every single day because they lived in this small little village or this town and so they saw each other constantly we live in a city of seven point million people as some of you know uh, we have people in our church who live way on the east side or even way on the west side of new territories and there are people who are living in the island and just to get to point a to point b it might take an hour or even an hour and a half and to meet each other every single day it will be almost impossible because all that time that is wasted in just commuting. But they gather together as daily, it says here, and often as possible. And the challenge for us is can we at least meet several times within a week? And that's why I think the beautiful thing about everything that's happened, even in this pandemic, is that now Zoom and video conferencing is the norm. So we have no excuse. So whatever excuses you were making prior to this pandemic, all those things are completely falling down now. It just shows you your heart. You don't want to be devoted to fellowship. You don't want to be devoted to each other's lives. That's the truth. Because your excuse of how busy you are and all this stuff and the traveling, now you don't have that excuse. It's interesting that sometimes we have more people showing up for life group now that it's on Zoom than when it was in person. Once again, life is not about you. It's not about convenience. And so those of us who went the extra mile to even meet up when it was hard to do accountability groups, to go to life group, and I've heard of some of you who travel close to an hour just to go once a week, that now it's on Zoom, that that much more is definitely easier to meet. So what I'm trying to say is this, if you're not meeting, then there is no more excuses of business, travel, whatever it may be. I pray that you'll make time. This is what we see in scripture. They gathered together. They were having fellowship, kononia. They were participating in each other's lives. And I think with everything that's happening in the pandemic, I was just kind of thinking about this. And you know, a lot of people are asking, like, do you see what God is doing in your life, in your church. And I would definitely say one of the things that he's doing just globally is that he is trying to bring the essence and the basics or the essentials of why we gather. And whatever facade and whatever other reasons we use for church or going to church, Because it's not going to a place. We are the church. Now what we're seeing is many churches are meeting in smaller groups through Zoom. And I'm thinking, isn't this what the Bible says? Isn't this what the early church did? So if anything good is coming out of this pandemic, is that it is really challenging us to really see what it is that we believe. And if you really believe in community, are you doing it? even if it's through a video conference. 
Are you still meeting up with people? Listen to the Passion Translation of verse 42. It says, Every believer was faithfully devoted to following the teachings of the apostles. And read this yellow section with me. It says, Their hearts were mutually linked to one another, sharing communion and coming together regularly for prayer. I mean, think about that word or that phrase. They were mutually linked together. That is a purposeful gathering so they could be connected. Listen to this other translation, the contemporary English version. It says this, they spent their time learning from the apostles. Read the yellow section with me. And they were like family to each other. They also broke bread and prayed together. Can you imagine that even though they were not blood related, it says here that they considered each other as family. Like where else in this world can you get that? That this is like a family. And this is something that we share all the time to those of us who are college students and you're joining us for the first time. And I know it's kind of scary because you're away from home and you're just all by yourself. And I I still remember that first semester when I went off to college. And I just remember after failing one of my first exams, and please, it's going to happen, and it's going to humble you. It's going to be good for you. But I remember I was laying down in my bed, and I was just crying, and I was just feeling like, wow, like, I need to grow up. And when you think about all this stuff, like, you're, you're pretty much on your own. You have to learn how to cook and clean, do your laundry. And I had my fair share of turning white things into pink, because I put a red shirt in there. I mean, there are crazy stuff like that that you're going to experience and so here you are away from home in a city of 7.5 million people and the question is do you have some people who you can consider as a family or a home away from home you know what the best test is when it's your birthday is are there some people here in hong kong that will remember and celebrate with you of course, your, your mom will call. I, I am 100%. Your mom will call. She might even send you something. Dads, I don't know. You know, sometimes they, they're not very good at that. But I would definitely say your mom will call. So some of your family members might contact you. But I'm talking about people who are outside of your immediate family. Do you have a family away from your family that can love on you where they will remember your birthday? They will be able to walk with you just like your family has been in the past. Some of you are trying to run away from your family. And what I'll say to you is this, maybe what you need to experience because you come from a bad home is to be a part of a community that will help reflect or restore your view of what family should be like. So here in this passage, we see that they were linked together and they were like family to each other. You cannot have that if church is all about Sundays and that's it. You have to walk with people, go through life together with others. And this is the reason why we emphasize this thing in our church called life groups. Life groups is simply our small group ministry. It's made up of 12 to 20 people, sometimes it's a little bit more, Sometimes it's a little bit less if don't, people don't show up, but it's a smaller group in our church where we gather together and we call it life group because on one hand, it's about what Jesus promised, that he has come to give us life and to give it abundantly. We want you to experience this abundance of life. That's what we call it life groups. Also, we call it life groups because this is where life happens. That every day and throughout the week that you can experience life with other people because there are a lot of stuff that happens in life. And so we want you to do that not by yourself, but with other people. So that's why we call it life groups. But then we also take the word life and take every single one of those letters. And what we're saying is you have to experience and we want you to experience some of these things. And so if you look at that acronym of the word life, The thing that we want you to experience, first of all, the L is to experience love with each other, to genuinely experience God's love for one another. 
And this is something that we're trying to emphasize, that you will be able to experience the love of Christ as you share love, God's love, with one another. The I, it stands for investment in each other. And so what it means is that you're investing your time, your energy, uh, your resources, whatever it may be, that you are trying to invest that to one another. That's how we're going to grow, not only in terms of what we receive, but when you learn how to give, that's how you grow through that experience as well. So loving each other, investment in each other. The F stands for faith, faith in God and also faith for one another. What we want you to experience in life group is that you will deepen your faith with God because you're in a smaller group of people. You're sharing your life together with them. You're studying the Bible. As you open up and share, you receive prayer. You're, you are going to deepen your faith. But also, we want you to learn how to have faith for each other. That there are times when you're going to go throughout the week and something happens in your home. You hear some news about your family. Something that you might be going through at work something that you're facing and some of the stresses from school, whatever it may be, that here's an opportunity to come together in a smaller group of people who know you and walking in life with you. And as you open yourself up, what you're doing is you're now allowing God to use other people to strengthen your faith. And to those of us who are participating in this and then we're praying for other people and we're trying to encourage other people, then what it does is that then not only our faith grows, but that person's faith because we are exhibiting faith for them as we pray, as we love on them. And then the E is simply enjoyment of who God is and enjoying each other's presence. That is part of life. It's that God is not this God who just makes everything so painful for us, but we can enjoy God, the things of God. And part of it is learning how to have fun and enjoying it in a way that will honor Him. And one of the greatest things we can do to glorify Him is to enjoy Him forever. And in the same way as we learn how to enjoy each other's presence, that there is genuine family-like atmosphere. We laugh together. We go through life together. We eat together. And we enjoy the things of life. This is where your life will begin to transform. So that's why church does not just happen on Sundays, but church really happens throughout the week. Another thing that you need to understand is this is the reason why we don't call it a Sunday service. In our church at HMCC, Harvest Mission Community Church, we call the gathering of God's people on Sunday, we call it Sunday celebration. Do you know why? Because throughout the week is where church really happens. And as we're experiencing miracles, as we're seeing baptisms or people coming to know Christ, as we're experiencing answered prayer, as we're seeing people joining our community, as people are getting healed emotionally, mentally, even physically, we're celebrating all these things, not just within our own little community in our life group, but we come on Sunday to celebrate this as a whole church. That's why on Sundays we come. I know some people, it's easy for them to say, well, I, I go to life group, so I, I'm good. But we come together on Sunday because now it is the whole church. All these mini life groups or mini micro churches that are gathering together, worshiping God, sharing the testimonies of transformation and what God is doing. That's what the early church experienced when they gathered together. And this is the reason why we're trying to emphasize our life groups in our church as a spiritual family. Listen to what Philip Yancey says. He says in his book, Meet the Bible, he writes this, Family is the one human institution we have no choice over. We get in simply by being born. And as a result, we are involuntarily thrown together with a collection or gathering of strange and unlike people. Church calls for another step. To voluntarily choose to band together with a strange collection of people because of a common bond in Jesus Christ. I have found that such a community more resembles a family 
than any other human institution. Henry Nouwen once defined a community as a place where the person you least want to live with always lives. His definition applies equally to the group that gathers each Thanksgiving, or that's American holiday, or and the group that congregates each Sunday morning. What a great reminder. Can you imagine how awesome would it be if we could choose our family? That'd be awesome, because you could get rid of your brother. You could get rid of your sister. You could get a whole new father, a whole new mother. Wouldn't that be awesome? But you don't have a choice. You're born, and this is who you get. But think about it. So we learn to accept that. Okay, I don't like my brother that much. I don't like my sister that much. I don't like my mom. I don't like my dad. But we just accept it because we're born into it. But who in their right mind will voluntarily choose people that you despise and you do not like? I don't know about you, but can I get a witness? I, 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 there are a lot of people in all my life group experience. I won't tell you which life group. In all of my life group experience, that I did not want in my life. And this is the truth. I'm like, Lord, why? Why are they in my life? But do you see, by you voluntarily choosing to be with a group of people that you might not necessarily like, God is going to use that to do something in you. This is why community, biblical community, is so different from any other social gathering of humankind. I want you to honestly think about it. Think about your workplace. Who do you eat lunch with? <laughs> you eat it with people that you choose and you like. And those of you who are on the other side, you eat alone. You know how it works. And so even at the workplace with your coworkers, you choose who you want to talk to, who you want to be around. Same with school. It, those of you who are in university now, you know if you had a choice to choose for your project, you know who you'll choose. Not that lazy one or that person never gets things done. You send many messages, they never respond. You don't want them on your team. It's going to affect your grades. So think about it. Why would you then choose people that you might not like and you're placed in a group of people where you're saying, I'm going to do community? Because you have experienced this transformative love of Jesus Christ. And you want to be able to share that with many people who have yet to experience it. Because of this pandemic, and even with the rise of social media, I think being in biblical community, being linked together, almost like a spiritual family, is more important than ever. Uh, studies around the world show that despite being the most digitally connected generation, that young adults and teens are prone to feelings of loneliness and anxiety. Isn't that ironic? That this generation, we are the most connected digitally generation than the history of the world. But there is an increase and a rise of loneliness and of anxiety. George Barna puts out, and listen to what he says. He says, concerns around mental health of both old and young generations have grown since the pandemic's disruptions began. A good reminder for us that in light of this whole pandemic, there are a lot of people who are struggling. Listen to what else he mentions in his research. According to the Barna research, he says this, as of late May, one in three millennials report being in need of food and supplies. That's 35% of the millennials compared to the 24% of Gen X or 21% of boomers. Emotional support, the need for emotional support, 33% of the millennials, this generation, versus 25 of Gen X and 13 of boomers. And financial assistance, 32% because they don't have jobs, right? It's hard to find jobs, versus the 31 Gen X and 12% boomers. One in five, that's 19%, said that they were feeling lonely all the time. A quarter, 25% of them, for at least some of each day, and 21% at least one day a week. 
only one in three, that's almost 35%, hadn't faced loneliness as opposed to half of Gen X, 50%, and boomers, 59 So think about that. There are so many people in our generation who are struggling with loneliness, emotional, and mental health. If there's ever a time that we need to be linked together, it is now. If there's ever a time that we need to experience life groups, a small community of people who love each other, who will invest in one another, who have faith in God and faith for one another, and those who enjoy God and each other's presence, it is now. We need it now. This is the reason why we keep on saying, and if you know, you know, that church doesn't happen on Sundays because you cannot get some of the things that you need. How in the world can you come? This is pre-pandemic when you come to church and you see the back of people's heads and you hear this preacher just talking and then you say hi to a couple people and then you walk out and you say you know what i've done my sunday thing but you haven't really experienced the one another's in the bible you cannot it is difficult to love one another serve one another be devoted to one another forgive one another all the 50 over 50 one another's that you see in the new testament it is difficult to do if you're not gathered face to face now we're trying to use a different medium but it's different but we're still trying to accomplish the same thing and i pray and i hope that none of you those of you who are listening and to the sound of my voice i just want to say to you i pray that none of you will be left alone by yourself this is not the time the suicide rate has increased there are more emotional and mental uh, health issues than ever before there are some of you who are still now struggling with some of the addictions from the past you thought that you overcame some of these things but you're going right back into it and it's hindering you in your relationship with god i pray that you will be able to be involved and be a part of community this is the reason why even in verse 44 as we read before it says the believers were what it says they were together the word together is translated as one accord they were almost like bound together in one accord and that's why it shows how unified they were of god's love and their desire to be together that's why in the living bible it says and all the believers and it says what everyone say this together met together constantly all the believers met together constantly listen to the voice translation of that portion of scripture it says this there was come on an intense sense of togetherness among all who believed so this intense sense of togetherness as they gathered together and that's why also in verse 46 it says day by day they attended temple together and they broke bread in their home so once again we get that word one accord again the word together you see this again and that's why in the niv it translates it as every day they continued to meet together part of building a strong community is to be committed to gathering often as they had this kind of devotion and togetherness with one another the thing that begins to show forth in their lives and hopefully in our lives is that they have experienced the gospel message of jesus christ in a powerful way this is why peter who was the leader of that group at that time he wrote in his epistle his letter in first peter chapter 1 verse 22 i'm going to read it for us in the new living translation and read the yellow section with me it says now you can have sincere love for each other as brothers and sisters because you are cleansed from your sins when you accepted the truth of what come on good news so see to it that you really do love each other intensely with all your hearts listen to a couple of these other translations of part of that verse it says fervently love one another from the heart and the message translation says love one another as if your lives dependent on it this is the reason why we believe that church does not just happen on sundays it is in life group and i hope and pray that many of you will join 
this coming season. So at this time, we're going to take a pause and we're going to have you break up into huddle groups again. And then after we come back, I want to give us uh, just some next steps to think about as we move forward. And so in the huddle groups, these are the two questions that I want us to think about. First of all, how have you experienced biblical community in life group? Because many of you have. But those of you who are just joining us and you haven't really experienced a community in our church yet because you're new to it, share how you were able to experience maybe a close connection with a group of people from your past or different contexts. And the next thing that I want you to think about is and share, what are some ways to invite some people who are lonely and struggling to our church family so that they can experience biblical community with us? So those two questions, go ahead. We're going to give you another seven minutes, and then we'll come back with some practical applications. So go ahead and do that. I hope you were able to share with one another and be encouraged uh, and just being able to hear some of the stories of experiencing community. We talked about just knowing our motivation, why we do what we do. And that's a phrase you hear quite often. And so if you know, you know that we stress this a lot, that everything that we do, everything in church as we experience it together, do you know why you're doing what you're doing? We also talked about you got to know your mission and our specific mission of building community and being part of community is something that's very important to us and who we are. That's why you will hear that phrase that church doesn't just happen on Sundays, but it happens in our life group context. So if you know, you know because you've experienced this in your life. And this is the reason why the one thing, as I shared earlier, is simply this, that as we worship Jesus in community, we testify that Jesus is a priority for us. That as we meet in community, that we will be able to testify now that Jesus Christ is a priority in our lives. So now the question is this, what do we do from this point on as we think about just being able to worship Jesus in community and helping people to see that he is a priority for us. The first thing that I want to give you as some of the next steps so you can think about, that you can follow through on and not just be a mere listener of the word, but be a doer of the word. The first thing is be informed with the wise. So know your wise. Understand your wise. So everything that you're doing. You know, there are people in this room sort of social distancing and like do you even know why you're here are you just doing a job if you're not worshiping god then you're not we're not doing the thing that god has called us to do why are you watching through this video is it just something that you do why do you go to work every single day why are you here studying? So everything that you do, ask yourself why. In fact, I want to challenge some of you to challenge one another. If they're doing something, say, why are you doing that? And if they're like, uh, I don't know, then it's a good reminder. If you don't know, you should know. And so be informed of the whys in everything that you do. The second thing is this, is to be invested in community. Use your time, use your energy, use everything that you have, the resources that God has given you, and to be invested in community. No more excuses. There are so many people that I hear make excuses. This is my thing. Listen to me carefully, because if you misunderstand this, you're going to take it in the wrong direction. If you put the time and energy as you are in your career. Now, career is important. What you do, because that's your mission field. But if you put the time and energy that you put into your career, because it's really about you, is it not? About moving up the corporate ladder, making a lot of money so you can have resources to do certain things. If you put that much time and energy that you put into your career and to work, and you put that into community and the things of God, I'm just wondering what would happen. 
I'd rather have you tell me honestly, Pastor Seth, I'm very self-centered and it's all about me. And so I have no time for church. I have no time for community. Then I could respect that because at least you're honest. Don't use and hide behind all this facade and spiritual language when really what it shows is that you're self-centeredness. So what I'm challenging you with is with the amount of devotion and time and energy that you spend on things that are important to you because it's all about you. Maybe possibly if you could put that much time and effort and energy in something that is not about you, but it's about somebody else who's hurting, somebody else who are str- who's struggling, something else that's bigger than you, which is God's kingdom. If you could put that much time and energy into those things, what would happen to not only your life, but to people around you and even in our church and for this city and for this world. So I'm challenging you that you will be invested in biblical community this coming year. No more excuses. Be committed, steadfast, as we saw here, devoted to one another. The third thing is be intentional in building biblical community. You got to be intentional. It doesn't happen automatically. You got to work at it. That means that you are intentionally meeting up with people. Hey, let's grab some coffee. You got to be intentional. Hey, we haven't talked for a while. Let's have a meal together. You got to be intentional. Hey, is there any prayer requests that you have? Because I want to pray for you. That you got to be intentional. So that's why I hear so many people always complaining why this isn't happening, why this is not what they like it to be. There's always complaint. I'm looking at them. And my first thought is, what are you doing about it? Oh, yeah, our group has no fun. Maybe you're not fun. Maybe you don't know how to have fun. I don't know. If you do, then bring the fun. Bring it. Oh, our group doesn't really share honestly. Are you? (laughs) Bring it. If you know, you know. Stop complaining. Be proactive. Do something about it. So be intentional. Don't be like, oh, no one loves me in my group. Well, I could give you a lot of reasons why they might not. But anyway, that's a different topic, different sermon. Be intentional. Then maybe you need to think outside of yourself. Maybe it's not all about me. Maybe I can serve people. Maybe you don't even have to do much. Just simply say, hey, what can I pray for you about? Takes a little bit of time, zero money, a little bit of energy. So be intentional in building biblical community and you will see your life change. So if you know, you know why we say church doesn't happen just on Sundays. And if you know, you know why we say make sure you understand why you do what you do. And as we come together to worship Jesus in community, I believe with all my heart, that we're going to make him a priority. And when you make Jesus Christ a priority, it will transform the world. I pray that you will join us this coming season in this new year of ministry to join us to be a part of this. Let's just not make it about Sunday. Let's just not make it about different things around us, make it about us or anything else, but let's make it about Jesus as you focus on him. I wanted to close with this video. Many of you have seen this before because it is several years back when we did an end-of-the-year video. And I'm showing this on one hand for those of us who have been part of our church for the last three, four-some years. Uh, Just a refresher, reminder of all the things that God has done. Some of you are on this. You look so much younger. uh, But wow, what three years can do to us. And uh, those of us who are new, Uh, It's a little window into our church 
of some of the stuff that we experienced back in, I think, 2016, 2017. And I pray that it will encourage you because a lot of the things that I shared about today are things that people in our church are experiencing. Their lives are being transformed. They're experiencing the transformative message of the gospel. And this is the reason why they're testifying to the power of transformation. So I pray that as you watch it, listen to the testimonies, that you may be encouraged and that we will be not only intentional, but we will be invested as we are informed of our whys that this coming year that we'll have great experiences in our life group ministry. Thank you for listening to the Harvest Mission Community Church Podcast. For more information, visit our website at hongkong.hmcc.net.